So how close to the end of the period? Okay, Erev Tov on Parashat Balotcha. And we're going to look at a well-known topic in the Sedra. Uh, it's the, the tipping point towards unfortunate cataclysmic uh, events here, which eventually sentenced Kal Yisrael to spend uh, the 40 years in, in the Midbar. That uh, the 40-year sentence only comes after the Miraglim, but the the path towards destruction is opened already in this week's Sedra. As is well known, until uh, Perik Yud Aleph in, in the in the Sefer, everything is going well. And, and uh, the Mishkan is, is functional. There's a Hanukkah Tamizbayach that we celebrated last week. Uh, the structure of the Machane the week before. Everything is all ready to go. Kalishal received Torah at Sinai and they survived uh, the Eagle. And so all that awaits them is the march towards Eretz Israel, and um, the psukim that tell us, give us this uh, in- incredible insight into the mood of the people in the in the camp of Israel and the actual historical um, phenomenon as to where they're holding are the famous two psukim, Vahibin Soaron, Vayomer Moshe, where Am Israel were prepared to march into Eretz Israel, and Akash Baruch Hu promised them that the Aaron would travel in front of them, and Moshe Rabbeinu would, de- would declare, you know, Kuma Hashem Vecha Mipanecha, that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu would, uh, in a sense, declare war without even having to fire a shot against the enemies of Klal Israel, and everything would be um, would be won. The enemies would like, you know, shrink away from the fight. Uh, and when the Aaron would come to rest. Um, those are the two psukim that until they are read um, describe the highlight of where Kali Israel are holding at the time and then as you well know those two psukim find themselves dislocated and there's a kind of set of brackets around them two upside down nuns which, um, which form like a bracket and as, uh, as all the Midrashim tell us, that those two psukim that should have been were postponed and pushed off uh, for a long way off until Amishol would arrive in Eretz Israel. And they were pushed off because of the events that followed. And uh, the first event that causes uh, the upheaval here is what's known as Kivrotatava. And that is the, the graves of those who who lusted after things. Um, the graves of the voluptuaries, as some of the fancy English Chumashim uh, translated. The tava, the graves that that uh, that illicit drives dig for you. That's the nature of what happens over here. And it's, uh, it comes across as, as Klal Yisrael rebelling against uh, the situation at hand. In other words, they kick up a huge fuss. What was the situation? The situation was is that uh, they were gift, they were gifted man in the desert. They're busy. They're eating man um, from let's call it uh, the 18th of 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 uh, ER in the year 2448, and then they're eat, they're eating man all the way through until until close on a year later, um, and. At this point in time, they're starting to get 
sick of the man. And they complain. They complain about the fact that, um, you know, there's, uh, you know, the, the what you call, they don't have the menu they want. And everybody, the, there's a group of people who instigate a kind of a rebellion. They call the Asaf Suf. They, 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 they became addicted. They amplified, they psychologically uh, amplified their, their desire for, for meat. And they basically cried out and they got Amishal to cry. You know, you know, can we, who's, who's going to feed us meat? And then they start telling you, they recall what they ate in, in Mitzrayim. Um, and then it was their chinam for free. And, you know, you know the whole story. They go through various foodstuffs, which, uh, which were bad for them. And that's why they went there. And they picked on this to, to have a go at Moshe Rabbeinu and indirectly at Akosh Baruch. And the Torah tells you that um, the complaint was really unnecessary completely because the, the man could actually taste whatever, like whatever you wanted it to taste. So the Torah has a cryptic way of describing the man. Um, you could actually grind up the man and make it into flour and then turn it into something else. And in the end of the day, you know, one wonders why the complaint had to come in the first place. If the man tasted like anything, so then they just had to think about it and it would taste like meat. Maybe there's still a slight difference between what, what you think it tastes like as opposed to what it is. Uh, it's not exactly clear why this was such an issue over here. But the result is that Akash Baruch punishes them and the punishment is terrible. The punishment is uh, an oversupply of meat, which they were forced to eat. And eventually it would, um, you know, it would, it would, uh, it would wreak havoc on the people. And so this is the, you know, a plague then follows and this starts the, the downturn in the relationship between Hashem and Amisra. And so our, our uh, attempt to explain this uh, event is going to look, try and find a, um, a limut schut. We're going to try and find a way of looking at it in such a way that Klal come out slightly better than they would if you'd explain it literally or according to most of the Divrei Pshat that are around there. So again, our big question simply is, why was this such an issue? Why, you know, if, if a man could taste like anything, then, then it should have been able to taste like meat, and therefore um, there wouldn't have been a problem. So all they had to do was, 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 was focus on, uh, on the man, and when you were focusing while eating, you would taste you would taste meat. So what was the problem? So he had an interesting chidush uh, that the Shemi Shmuel, the Sokachova uh, Rebbe, um, suggests. And he tells us as follows. He wants to look at uh, the nature of the man. How long did Amisrael eat, eat man for? So we have a look and we start to see that um, I gave you a date that the man began. Some sofer and others talk about that 18th of year as the, the day upon which the man fell for the first time. Um, and, it, and it went all the way through the company to tell Israel until they crossed over the Yardane. And, um, and even after Moshe Rabbeinu died, um, they still had enough man to take them over into Eretz Israel. So 
according to the Midrashim, Moshe Rabbeinu dies on the Zion Adar, and the man stopped falling at that point in time. The man sustained Klal Yisrael, Moshe Rabbeinu, he dies, now it stops. But they had enough to last them um, until, they, uh, until they came into, into, into Earth Israel. It's also interesting, this whole story about this idea that the, the Midrash Rabbi Rashi quotes it, that they had enough money to last them until they, they got into the interior Israel. We normally understood that the man was just enough each, each day it fell and it, and it uh, didn't last past the next day. Yeah, it sounds like maybe this last bit of money, once Moshe Rabbeinu died, they were able to stretch it. Um, but you couldn't really, uh, or, you know, you couldn't really store the man. That was part of the, be- the, the beauty of it. Yeah, never, nevertheless, this is the idea. The idea is that um, the man, the man lasted from uh, the 18th of year, 2448, the year they came out of Mamash. The lasted from Pesach until, until the middle of the year. So the matzah lasted a month. And then there was man. And then the man stopped, but there were leftovers and it was able to stretch until the 16th of Nisan, 2488, when they arrived in, uh, in Eretz Israel. Um, so that's a, you know, that's a Midrash that we, that we have as well. Now, the Midrash adds on and says that um, the, the, already when Amishal left Mitzrayim, even the, even the matzah that they had with them, had a was blessed with a kind of a taste of man as well. So this is an interesting you know dimension that the midrash adds over here. Well, this is what Rashi quotes that um, you know Amishal actually had some sort of a, a an exposure to the taste of man even earlier than it actually started to fall uh, properly. So what this midrash is telling us about the man is that. As follows, already a few weeks before the man fell, they've, they've taken food with them from Mitzrayim. So, okay, the matzah, we understand there was a, an Indian that it shouldn't rise. But there was, there was other food that they took with them. And, and whatever food they took with them, uh, they, they baked cakes there or whatever else they took, whatever they, they ate, you know, Egyptian food, and the Midrash is telling you that that food, somehow, because Baruch blessed that food already, that it should taste of man. Then they get the actual man proper, and they eat man for 40 years, until when Moshe dies, it stops, and then they enter Eretz Yisrael with the, with the last leftovers of the man, and, um, and, uh, and, and that was it, until eventually they were able to, to use the grain, when they needed to use the grain in... Uh, in Eretz Israel. Now, this idea that there was a taste of man before the man originally arrived, you know, what is the Midrash driving uh, at, at with this with this comment? You know, it's like uh, you live on, on jelly beans, you know, with a with a man taste. Whatever you have has got a man taste, but it's not the real thing. It's like the, you know, it's like the imitation taste. And then you get the real item. So the question is, why, why was this necessary? So there's a, there's a klal in general, there's a rule that you find used by many Barei Machshava, many thinkers in Klal Yisrael, develop this idea 
the Rambam has a very, um, uh, you know, a strong aff affinity to this idea. And that is that in order for a transition of lifestyle to take place um, between, you know, where a person changes the way they live their lives, the healthy way to do it is in a, uh, in a slower, uh, a slower stage of transition, as opposed to an accelerated form of, of transition. The minute there's a kind of a, uh, you know, an, 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 an accelerated way to live life and change, you always run the risk of somebody going off the edge. So the Rambam has a whole discussion about the fact that Klal Israel were exposed to the way they traveled uh, and the route that they took, and how the trip was longer than it should have been, uh, even the desert itself, the whole experience was to try and to try and create the movement from black to white in the change of reality. It should be a natural one. It should be one that is not imposed upon you with a level of acceleration that's hard for a normal person, you know, to uh, to work with. Uh, and and possibly the same idea exists all over our human experience. That if you want the healthiest way to change one's lifestyle, you want to go from being non-frum to frum. Don't do it overnight. You know, people who become from after, you know, one or one session at counterpoint, you, you can get very, very nervous because it can often the person can become from an extreme without uh, without realizing it. So the best way is to naturally grow into the change. You know, if a person is getting on a diet and you're trying to work it out, you know, to go cold turkey on something is is, is not the most healthy way. And so, yeah, it's possible to suggest that there's uh, a similar concept over here. And that is that I'm Israel have been eating Egyptian food for a long, long time. Um, and now you're going to change diet. And it's difficult to change in one shot. Maybe it's not even healthy for, for uh, one's lifestyle to change in such a shocking way. And therefore, Akosh Baruch Hu sort of gave them a way to adapt to the change via an intermediate step. So Kali Israel are used to eating uh, the, the food that existed in Egypt and, you know, whatever that food was. But the bottom line is, is that both physically and spiritually, you know, th there was a certain nature to this food that they ate. And in order to change it and eat this kind of food, which was totally spiritual, it's too much of a, a shock to one's system to leave the one set of food and go straight away to the man. Uh, which is a totally spiritual form of uh, of nourishment. Um, the Midrashim describe how Malachim sort of, you know, are, are, are nurtured by a kind of a, a man experience. So um, in order to get Klal Yisrael used to the change, they needed a, a, a so-called gradual progression. And this is the progression that Akash Baruch provided them, that when they ate the food that they brought with out of Mitzrayim, it already had a kind of a man taste. And, um, and that would prepare them to eat man once, uh, once it came actually in the actual original form dropping out of the sky. Now, the same thing is true on the other end. You have to get Amishal, you got to wean them off man in order for them to be able to eat grain, Eretz Israel grain. So if the change is going to come in one shot, that's not, as, not, not a healthy option. So Akosh Baruch then gives them a phase, an intermediate phase, where they eat man, but the man didn't arrive as the regular man did. 
the man sort of came um, in a in a more physical, less miraculous um, shape and form, and and that's the man that, that basically instead of getting the man ready to go, the man came in a kind of a grain. You know, they they got a kilo of flour, whatever it was, and that then they had to take that man, and um, they 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 would basically cook it, and and then. That way they were eating man-made food out of godly given food. Um, but it was it looked like and felt like what they were going to do with grain when they eventually got to got to earth Israel. So this is this is a you know one midrash we need to keep in, in mind, and that this is the kind of food that they were eating, and this is why the food was designed in such a way, um, so that they would be, you know, given a, a a gradual change into the man, a gradual change out of the man, and into the grains of, of Eretz Israel. Now, the chronology of these events, uh, this whole story of Kivrot Tava, where they start to complain and, and you know, get upset as to what's happening, um, this happens before the sentence of the 40 years in the desert is leveled out at Am Yisrael. The sentence of the 40 years in the Midbar comes as a result of the Miraglim. Now, yeah, this is before the story of the Miraglim. So what does that mean? It means that when Klal Yisrael were complaining about the lack of meat, and they, and they were asking, of course, Baruch to, you know, we, we're sick of this man already. So what was the, what was the time frame in their minds that that they that they that they understood they were in, um, you know, in order to make, have this complaint. So if we start to think about it, just going back a few psukim in the parsha, so you'll find as follows that um, just before this thing takes place, this event takes place, the complaint with the meat, etc. Moshe Rabbeinu is recorded as having a conversation with his father-in-law Yitro, and he's begging him to, to join to join them. And he says to Yitro, Nosim Anachnu, we are about to travel. Like, you know, we're traveling, we're there, we're going, we manage a, you know, hop, skip and a jump before we get to Israel. So come with us. Nosim Anachnu Elamakom, you know, that Akash Baruch promised, to said he'll give it to us and, uh, and, and, and join us. So we know that Yitro felt he had a tough kid in Chutzaret and he never joined them. He thought he would catch them, he'd catch them later and maybe his descendants caught up to them later. But in the end of the day, the, the idea that we're trying to extract from here is, is that they were three days away from crossing the border. They're three days away. So in the minds of the, of the people, what's really happening is this, and that is that they came out of Mitzrayim and they saw Akosh Baruch Hu gave them a taste of the man to gradually allow them to get used to what was happening, what was going to happen in the, in, in the Midbar. Okay, now in their mind, that meant, so we had a, a month, let's call it a month transition to the man, which has now lasted close on a year. And now we, we managed three days away from Eretz Israel and we've had no... We've had no uh, gradual buildup 
to the food that we're going to get in Eretz Israel. So we're about to leave the Midbar and jump headfirst into, into Eretz Israel. And the food supply is now going to completely change, you know, in, in one fell swoop. And there's no buildup. There's no graduality. There's nothing. And they looked around and they thought, you know, how are we going to deal with this? Um, how, are we gonna, how, are, how are we going to be able to digest, you know, leaving man and go straight to, to ordinary uh, grain in Eretz Israel? And they were, they were awaiting this kind of a, a gradual process. And this change gnawed at them. And they were scared that they couldn't cope with this change. So when they realized that they were mamish about to enter into Eretz Israel, so a group of people asked for, for meat. So it's interesting that they weren't asking at this point anyway. They weren't saying, let's get rid of the man. But let's say, let, to have together with the man, you know, let's have, let's have something else. So we want meat together with it. Um, but the question now is, you know, what do they want to do with this meat? By adding meat to their diet, um, what were they doing exactly? So it could be the understanding is, is that it wasn't that meat was totally unavailable to them in the meat bar. However, you wouldn't get meat unless you offered it as a korban. And yeah, they wanted, when they got into Israel, you could have meat anytime you wanted. So um, we still have to identify why meat was such an issue for them. But the point that we're going to suggest here is, based on the Shemesh world, is that there may have been two groups of people, you know, begging to have meat. Let's say two motivations. You might have had a group of people who said, we don't want the man at all. Uh, so we want to replace the man. But there might have been another group of people who wanted to add the meat to the man, not just uh, not eliminate the man. You know? So there might have been some upstarts over here, these ringleaders of people who wanted to, the idea was, okay, we'll have the meat with the man in order to get rid of the man. And there might have been others who just said, no, we want, we want it together. And this then pushes us to understand, so what was in the meat? Why were they so keen on, 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 on the meat? Now, when we make a, uh, when we look at the, the, the hashkafa, the ideological approach to eating meat and contrast it with man, what we start to see is as follows. Man was white. It symbolized purity and it was spiritual, spiritual food. It was almost the it was almost the uh, the greatest of ex expression of Akosh Baruch Hu's uh, rachamim being leveled at Klal Yisrael came through the man, whereas whereas meat is exactly the opposite. It's not an expression of rachamim. Meat is red. Meat is din. Meat is you know something has to die in order for the meat to be there. So you've got you've got this issue that. Um, while Kalisrael were in the desert, their whole existence was, was one of being sustained by the Rachamim of Akosh Baruch, miraculously. And that's why the man was so uh, apt a food to, get, to feed them. But in Eretz Israel, where you're going to have to now uh, sow your own, uh, you know, your own grains 
and the yield of the free of the field is going to be uh, it's going to correlate to your your spiritual compliance with Torah. So if a person is not going to behave properly, then you know you're not going to have gishmachem uh, beitam. You know that's that's what's going to happen. So now everything is going to change as far as um, as far as Klal Yisrael and their relationship to Kosh Baruch is, is going to is going to work. So now Kosh Baruch is always going to show them rachamim, but bottom line is they're going to have to start to deserve it. If they wanted to have parnasah uh, barevach, if they really wanted to have you know a good lifestyle, then they had, then they have to they have to deserve that. So the food in Eretz Israel depends on a combination of din and rachamim. Whereas the food in the midbar is only on rachamim. So, in order to, there were a group of people who who were looking to motivate Klal Yisrael to say, "Look, we live under Akosh Baruch rachamim. That's what the man represents. Now we're going to go into Israel, and we're going to we're not going to live like this. We're going to have to have a, a hybrid relationship with Akosh Baruch Meaning, it's a it's a combination of din and rachamim. So that's so we need food." That feeds us, gives us the the koyach to be able to deal with this relationship where you have din and rachamim together, and that is exactly what this uh, you know this burger that they wanted. They wanted the bread, the white bread, and they wanted the meat inside. You know, they wanted like a shawarma. You know, the white pizza with the lamb inside. They they needed a, a hybrid diet because the hybrid diet was what they, was really going to represent their relationship to Kosh Baruch Hu, of a hybrid of chesed and din when they when they uh, you know moved over the border into into Israel, and so this is a, a this is an interesting insight here uh, by the Shem Yishmuel because he's trying to be malamed chut in a way on on what Talishal didn't just rebel against the Kosh Baruch at least at least uh, a good chunk of them maybe even the majority of them. They they were they were convinced by maybe some ringleaders, you know that we that we came up with fancy londus, you know, to try and show them that they they needed this combination. Now it could even be that that this is that this was correct. It was a good idea. The the motives for mo- of most of the people were good. They wanted to help themselves acclimatize uh, gradually to the change that they would encounter in Eretz Israel. And the only problem is. The only problem is, is that they, they did this on their own. You know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't go and ask the Shiloh, are they thinking correctly? Um, the Dora Midbar had experienced the Baruch's Nisim, you know, literally uh, firsthand. And, and, and seeing Akosh Baruch do all of this for them and take them through this desert. Uh, in the end of the day, surely Akosh Baruch knows what they're doing, knows what he is doing. And therefore, you know, he's always looked after them. And if 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 he if Akash Baruch decided not to come along and and preempt the move into Israel by changing the diet, so uh, Akash Baruch thinks that I need it. So to be at a great spiritual level, not needing any adjustment, um, or at least even if you besafek have a have a muna that Akash Baruch who's looked after you until now, he'll come along and tell you. Or if you go to at least go and ask a shaila. And so there's a kind of a lack of a, you know, they they, they let their guard down on their emuna, uh, and they started to have a suffake in their emuna or a suffake in what Akosh Baruch was doing with them. But maybe this is part of the whole difficulty of this transition. 
that Klal Yisrael had to go through. Uh, in fact, there's a there's a whole whole discussion about this uh, concept in the writings of the Nitziv. The whole of Sefer B'midbar is like really um, coming to ham- hammer home this message of how Akush Baruch Hu, uh, was preparing Klal Yisrael to leave the Hanagani sit. In, in other words, the, the miraculous divine providence over Klal Yisrael and, and transition to a Hanagativit, to a more natural, regular way of, of relating to Akush Baruch Hu. And that transition from the Midbar to Eretz Yisrael was, was a massive transition. And, um, and, and so many insights are, are drawn based on this understanding of where Sefer Bamidbar is really, uh, is really taking place at this transitional phase. But the bottom line is, is that in so many areas, just like in next week's Sedra with Shlach Lecha and Hashim and the spies, and everyone's taking these steps unilaterally, um, you know, with, and really asking the questions which really would have, you would have expected people of faith, you know, to have no problem processing. And so, and so by asking the questions in the first place, they showed that they were that they were dropping in the Madrago of Emuna and they weren't able to sort of hold it together. And once it starts, this once the Emuna starts to drop, and the questions that are unnecessary uh, and, and unilateral decisions that are unnecessary start to motivate Kladisrael's behavior, all of a sudden there's a snowball effect. And uh, and every and then all of a sudden it allows the people who have ulterior motives to uh, you know to convince the people that had good motives and so there might have been as i say the majority of Klal Yisrael had a good idea we had good intentions but there were people who said now nah, let's just get rid of the the man we've had enough of the spiritual existence anyway so this is this is the problem so you had you know once you had a, a group of ringleaders who were possessed by the idea of uh, demanding meat then and they were able then to dress it up as a whole uh, Good Lomdisha approach to what Akosh Baruch Hu has shown precedence toward them when they left Egypt. Everything degenerated into into this whole hate over here, this whole sin. And uh, and 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 our um, peak Kabbalah, what happens is that you know the Satan, the Yitzhora, is is just waiting to try and help you, and so it it, it like it, it waits crouching. Um, and and the midbar is uh, is a is a uh, an arena. Um, a midbar is an arena of of uh, of of satanic forces. In other words, the the midatadin is so strong in a in a midbar, meaning like the you know it's it's a type of environment which is so prone to to get people in such an extreme place. It causes people to be besuffered with their muna if they're going to make it out of there. And so if if, if you know if this if the desert is is this place with uh, so many you know impure forces the dark side is just there and, and that's exactly why you need a who's rachamim all the time so they just there's just like a little crack in the foundation of emuna and the eight is in there you know full on and um, and that basically is what happens over here that these impure forces you know that they they were given they were given an entree into Klal Yisrael as a result of this degrading of the level of emuna and uh, and they happen and once there was a request for this meat all of a sudden Kochotatuma, the dark side you know uh, just 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 jumps in there and just turns people into uh, you know into a group of people who 
were in one second turned from Abdai Hashem into Ovrei Avera. And then the guys were over the place. They start complaining about the, the laws of Tzniyot and, the, and then, you know, Bochea Mishpukatav and the, whatever carries on there. Everything just starts to un, unravel the minute that uh, the Yetzirah, the Satan, is able to, uh, to, to, to get force in. And this is the story of Bamidbar. But um, you know the what what it what it does is to show you just a way of looking at it with a little bit more Rachmonas on Klal Israel as to yeah they should have been better but but they, but they, you know it wasn't it wasn't all with bad intention over here there might have been some people who were like that you uh, suggest it wasn't the majority the ringleaders you know the the ringleaders these are the ones who took advantage. And, and and the ringleaders, you know, used a, used a, uh, an approach which has been used all the time by by uh, terrible people. People dress up spirituality; you know, they, they dress up their own uh, their own drives um, and tivers and lusts in in religious looking clothing, and they're able to sell it to the people. And before you know it, you've got people that are, are that are from looking and uh, you know know a lot. And are supposed to be the leaders of the community, and they come along and they and they 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 dress up the Avera in a in a capota, and they, they go and they, they they swing you around. This is possibly what happened over Using this theme, I thought of I thought of. Uh, I thought of like looking for it, or I thought of joining it up with uh, with another theme that um, that exists in the Haftarah of Balotcha. Now, in the Haftarah, what you see is the Haftarah of Balotcha is really the same Haftarah that we read on Shabbos Chanukah. It's about the lighting of the menorah, or, or Parshat Balotcha starts off about Aaron being given the special privilege of lighting the menorah, and the Haftarah is about the menorah in the Beit Hamikdash, um, which was. Uh, which was going to be resurrected, or the, the Beit Hamidash was going to be rebuilt after its destruction. And once it was rebuilt there, then um, you know the menorah would be would be kindled there. But the menorah that's actually spoken about um, is is a is a, is actually a prophecy. It's a prophecy that Zechariah has shown, and he's shown a of of a of a menorah. What happens over there is that there's this 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 dream or this prophecy, and um, what he sees over there is is a very interesting uh, image of a menorah, and and the menorah the, the the navi describes exactly what the menorah is about. I'm not going to go into the the description except for one point over here. So I was I was reading a couple of years ago. I bumped into a chidush, um, which. Uh, which, which I, you know, I saw in a, I saw in a volume that the, the OU had had published on the Haftoras. So at one point in time, we were doing every Shabbos uh, during the summer. We were doing uh, the relevant Haftoras to each sedra. So I was like looking in for in various different sforim. So I found, you know, different rabbonim had written essays. Anyway, there's a there's an essay by Rav Shmuel Maybruch. I think that's how you pronounce his name, Maybruch Maybruch. Anyway. He's a, you know, he's a, um, 
So he wrote in this particular volume, and I was just thinking about it when I was thinking about the Sedra and this particular theme that actually it joins up with a theme that he amplifies here. He asks a question. In fact, he brings, he quotes a question uh, based on the description of this imagery that Zachariah uh, envisions there. And he sees that there's a, a coin gadol by the name of Yoshua. And Yoshua um, with the Satan on his right-hand side. And the Satan is giving him over the head. The Satan is, 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 is giving him such musar, you know, almost like you're not worth it at all. You, you know, you, you, you're wearing uh, dirty clothing. And then the Mephoshim explained that the dirty clothing are the fact that uh, people were married out in his family. And so, uh, you know, how can such a person be a coin gadol in, in, you know, wearing such dirty clothing? So the, the Satan is really giving him a hard time. Um, and the, and of course, Baruch eventually censures the Satan and he stops him criticizing Yoshua Kohen Gadol. Um, and he tells Yoshua Kohen Gadol in this, in this dream, right? In this vision, get out of your dirty clothing. Don't worry about the Satan. Get out of your dirty clothing. And put on the, put on, he has a new set of clothing he has on the side there. And then before he explained that, of course, Baruch was telling him that don't worry, the, the, your, your children convert properly either way or he's a coin so it'll be a problem with conversion but i'm israel in general but you know don't worry you'll be able to wear clean clothing again you are, you know you don't have to worry about this uh, the satan let him let him let him go anyway the 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 chofetz chaim is a chidush ala torah on 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 this parasha and he asked an interesting question he says that when you normally read in uh in Mephorashim, midrash based on psukim you know, the visions that people see where there's chesed and, and din or, you know, and you see like a, a prosecuting angel and a defending angel, you know, how do you normally see them? So the Chofetz Chaim uh, tells us, look, you know, look at the various different psukim. You start to see that uh, the, the, the angels that stand on the right of a person, they are angels that are there to protect. It's like, like chesed is, 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 is on your right-hand side. And, and only din is on your left-hand side. So we always know from Pirkavot, you know, Makarev, the child with the, with the left hand, and then and discipline him, sorry, Makarev, your kid with the right hand, and discipline him with the left. You know, there's always this Indian of the right-hand side being uh, the so-called uh, chesed and the left-hand side being din. So the Chofetz Chaim wants to know how come in Zechariah's Prophecy, the, the the image is reversed. You've got over here Yeshua Gadol, and to his right is the Satan who's criticizing him. So the Chofetz Chaim essentially says as follows: the way the way is as follows. The Satan will try and make a person sin, and his first his first approach is to seduce a person using the person's own biological drives. And so, you know, the eighth horror tries to, to fire up the tavot, the various biological drives of a person. What happens if you have a person who's a, a tzadikal and the, and the guy's worked on his midot? He's very disciplined. 
So he demonstrates a certain invulnerability to the Satan's advances. So then the Satan comes and tries another tactic. So and instead of trying to uh, seduce the person to become involved by uh, working on something that's clearly negative, the Satan then gets into a disguise. And now he, 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 you know, he disguises himself in a piece of Torah. He, he makes as if he's coming to get you to do a mitzvah, where the mitzvah is really sh shielding, a hiding an element of, of Avera. So that's what the Satan does. If he can't get the first way, he, go, he, goes, he, go, he comes at you the second way. And this is much harder to resist because he's coming to you trying to convince you to do something wrong by dressing it up in, uh, in, in, in mitzvah. And, uh, and, that, and that's another way of how the Satan tries to influence somebody. And so you, you, you see it all the time. You know, you can have a person who, I don't know, um, wants, to, wants to try and, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and, and do a mitzvah, let's say, of, uh, of Tibur Avaim. This is an example that the, the Rav uses, this Rabbi Maybach uses. You do Tibur Avaim and uh, you want to, you come along and you make a big fuss about leading the Tibur, you know, for the yard site of your, of your parents. And, you know, you, you knock somebody out that should have been there. You make a machlaikas because, you know, bottom line is, in the end of the day, you, you know, you, you can justify anything. You can use Losh and Hora too for all noble purposes. You know, you can support Torah institutions with eagle, illegally obtained money. And there are all such examples of how this works. Uh, the Masidat Yasharim is, uh, is, goes against the second to none. He tells you that uh, if you want to really understand um, how the Yahit Torah works, this is what happens. And uh, this, this is what a person really needs to, to your check your actions, because, uh, you know, you should only, not, not only, not only your from our which means make sure that, that it's clear that you're doing the right thing. But even when you think you're doing the right thing, your mashmash from you've got to like evaluate everything because it can be, the Torah can camouflage it in everything. Uh, and this is our summer Hoshim on the Siddur, um, explain the phrase in Mariv where you say, Satan should remove the Satan from in front of us and from behind us. The Satan that's in front of us is the Satan that's trying to get you. You know, he knows that you know who he is, but he's just pushing your buttons of Taiva to, to, to get you over the, the to his side. But you see him, so you can see him. He's, he's the Lefaneno. But the Satan is Meacharenu, he's the guy that's. Uh, disguising himself in the world of mitzvah, you don't even know he's coming at you. There's a there's a pasuk that uh, that in um, in Tehillim, the pasuk in Tehillim, Perak Kuftet, um, just found it. Yeah, yeah, pasuk pasuk Zion. So the um, yeah the pasuk reads. Uh, as follows. Um, sorry, Pasuk Vav. Hafkeid alav rasha v'satan yamod al yamino. Appoint a wicked man over him and let an adversary stand at his right. This is a Pasuk in, in Tehillim. So here the Mephoshim explain, you know, what, what, what is David Amelech saying over here? Baruch was davin, uh, davin, David Amelech is davening to Baruch regarding 
a, a, a wicked person that he met. And he says, you know, the Satan is standing at my right. Uh, which is the again, this, you know, this 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 uh th this tells you exactly what the Chobetz Chai was talking about. That's we understand the Satan is coming to give you a hard time, he's on your right. So now who's the person that's that's attacking David Amelech? So David so yeah, David Amelech has lots of enemies that to uh who are coming to attack him. But yeah, you got a Satan who's attacking you on the right. That means that in the place of Chesed, the Satan is now coming to attack you. He's he's dressed in he's dressed in a, in, in religious garb and he's he's, he's he's dressing all his his own biases in there. And David Amelech is talking about somebody who, who who came along and and befriends him and now turns on him. So who's that? So unfortunately, say that that's exactly what happened. That uh, the Raul Bug explains that this is David Amelech's best mate who is. The, he's read it for a while, and he was, uh, you know, the greatest time in of the generation. And uh, and yet, the Gemara in Masechet Yevamot, it it tells how Doeg advocates that David Amelech was halachically unfit to uh, to be Jewish, coming from root, etc. And uh, it took Avner and others who fought this thing through. They, you know, they rehashed the psak from the basin of Shmuel Anavi. That, that Moab, you know, a Moavi is, is, is excluded, but not a Moavit. And then, as we all know, well, David Amelech was given legitimate, legitimacy. But, um, you know, bottom line is, was Doeg only coming because he really believed there was a lucky argument? You know, the, the Gemara describes how Doeg became this uh, really horrible person. He, he led so many people astray. He used his Torah to poison people against Torah. And, uh, you know, it had no effect on his Midot. And as a result of this, um, you know, Doeg, uh, lost, Doeg, Doeg lost everything. He lost everything. Um, and so this is exactly what, um, what David Amelech was referring to over here. And so now coming back to the story over here, the Chofetz Chaim came along and, and told us that Yoshua has a Satan. That one has to be consistent, con constantly aware that the Yetzirah is coming at you, looking like mitzvahs. That's how the Satan operates, and you have to be, you have to be aware of this. What uh, we just read, this Kivrota Tava story, this could be a very interesting nuance, a tie into the Sedra. Obviously, there's a much greater tie into the Sedra, the menorahs, but he has a nuance that's also connected. That in the Kivrota Tava story, the masses had good intentions. It would let a Led astray by people who dressed up a mitzvah in, uh, you know, this whole thing about chesed and and din and the harbor story. We need the meat. Their intention was to get rid of the the man, the spirituality, and just have the taiva. But the klal Israel were motivated along this path, thinking they were actually doing a good thing. Yeah, you had the satan which was stood at at, at the right side of klal Israel, the asaf suf. You know, hit abu taiva. That's how, the, and that's maybe a connection here to. To the to the the Musa that came out of this whole story of of Yoshua Kohen Gadol as well. There's a, a nice parallel here between the story of Kivrota Tava and the and this, the Chofetz Chaim Shchidush coming out of the of, of the Haftorah. All right, so I'll, I'll leave it there and uh, wish you a good Shabbos. I'll just <clears throat> I just want to <clears throat> ask you a question. Yeah. 
I didn't want to disturb it while you were recording, but the concept of the man and eating the man, you touched on something that was in my brain, that they took the, the man and actually cooked it or processed it and made it edible. So you didn't, yeah. uh, you didn't sp speak about the visual aspect of when you eat your food. So is, can you hear me? Yeah, you dropped out for a second. Yeah, I don't know. My, my Wi-Fi is a bit strange tonight. Um, you know, when, okay, when, so you, you, said the when you eat food, part of your enjoyment is the visual aspect of the food that you've prepared. Right. So is that not one of the factors of this complaint that people, you know, they could, they could envisage another taste, but visually maybe there was, was there not an issue with the visual aspect? Yeah, look, it sounds like um, the ideal obviously was that you would eat man in such a way that you were able to extract the maximum spirituality out of it and your body would be nourished as a result of that. Now, there was Kali Shalom are made up of so many different people and different levels. So even when they were in the desert, fully compliant, and the way that the marriage you um, represent, depending on how uh, tzaddik, much of a tzaddik you were, how close the man fell to your tent, kind of thing, right? You've heard that midrash. If you if you if you, if you were average individual, you had to get out of your tent and go and fetch it. It was on the edge of the machane. You know, if you were a tzaddik, it mamish fell right outside your tent. You know, like a delivery, right? It came right there. So it, the man obviously represented and responded to Kalish on their different levels. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the expectation was is that all the physical delight in food could be subsumed within a spiritual experience. But the minute you divorced the two, then you're right. I mean, people could have complained about the fact that it wasn't, it could have tasted like man, but it wasn't, it could have tasted like meat, but it wasn't meat. So even though you had everything that meat could give you, still not meat. It's like, it's like you know, um, I'm sure it's going to happen in the in the near future. But you you produce a piece of steak, uh, two pieces of steak exactly the same. You put them in front of me and you say, this one is not flashic. It's made from what do you call it? You know, uh, it's made from what do you call that stuff? Um, it's engineered in the laboratories, and 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 this one is real, but it looks exactly the same. Same property, same everything. They've been able to complete. You'll still have people saying, "I want, I, I don't care. I want the actual meat." There's kind of a yates of horror there with it, and with all aspects of this thing. So yeah, yeah, that, that, the yates of horror could jump into your head and and get you upset about the lack of the, the actual real thing, including the visual. So the, you know, it's and it's not that it that it's it's completely wrong to enjoy the visual, but it's wrong to make it an issue. It's, uh, you know, the, and so, yeah, they started to make the actual meat the, the issue. They thought they were doing it for good reason. The ringleaders wanted to make it the real issue. But, um, yeah, this is on a push-up shut level, you could say they didn't have the actual meat. 
that didn't look like the actual meat. They weren't able to feel it and taste it and actually cook it. It came, you know, and how many how many ready-made fast food burgers can you can you deal with? You know, uh, there is that aspect. You could probably say on a level that that's what was happening. That's why they didn't. Uh, they were complaining. Yeah, we're going a little deeper and suggesting that it was, you know, it had a spiritual, it had spiritual content. They they complained. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So on a sort of super on a superficial, the garnishing aspect is for a superficial kind of person, because a person am I am I saying it right that the person that is a, a tzaddik doesn't need that garnish correct. to actually get the nourishment. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So even if guys were fully compliant and you had two, you just have two different madragas. You know, it's um, <clears throat> you know, I read a, I read a very interesting, uh, a little interesting anecdote. Um, I read an anecdote about Ramosha Feinstein. I was reading a, I was reading in the in, in a set of a new, a new set of books, relatively new, new set of books that were published by his uh, grandson. Uh, Rav Tendler, Mordechai Tendler. And he has some gorgeous anecdotes there about Ramosh. And he, uh, one, one of the anecdotes said something like this, that um, one of the also greats of the community who, uh, who once was talking to Ramosh about something and he, and he offered him a cigarette. So Yaakov Kamenetsky um, was, I guess he would smoke, he was smoking. So before they knew that smoking was so bad for you and all that kind of stuff. So he offers Ramosha a cigarette. So Ramosha says, no, thank you. So you know, he says, so he says to him, okay, wow. So Ramosha said something like, from the day, from the day that I reached a, a level of intellectual maturity, you know, in the Hebrew, you know, from the day that, that I was made Bidati, I never let anything unnecessary go through my lips. You know, right. So, so like, like you know, you have a madraga where a person will be so disciplined that the stuff that we get excited about is really just, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I wouldn't say yeah, it's a horror, but yeah, it's yeah, it's a horror. It's like uh, on a on a certain spiritual level, it's like you don't need it, you shouldn't have it. You know, and. Um, so maybe that was the ideal. The ideal was to be able to look at this totally unappealing piece of bread or pita. Right. And see in it. So it's interesting when the Torah describes how the man looked. A description of beauty. When you first read it, yeah, it looks gorgeous. It's fantastic. It's or maybe you think, no, it's so plain. And then this vort that I'm trying to share with you, yeah, starts to come alive. You know, if you say that the, the description of man was so ordinary, you know, it didn't look like a fancy thing. But yet that's the whole point. It was it was ordinary, so but you were able to see everything through it. So it depends on your whole perspective, you know. It's uh yeah, I mean, you know, you'd appreciate this idea, but a guy like myself looks at a, a piece of celery 
or vegetable I go crikey man how do I make this thing taste different than it is you know this, you know whereas you put sugar something you know a text bar in front of me I, oh that's that's fantastic that looks good tastes good but but you realize that the person who's healthy looks at that carrot as uh, as a brahmina shamayim that's giving them all you know the good energy that they need and it's irrelevant what it looks yes. like and no calories and low calories, you know what I mean? So I think that's 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 really what it is. It's like, a, you know, it's, it's definitely a, a way of thinking about life anyway. Very musardic in that, in that regard. You know? Yeah. So, mm. yeah. All yeah, right. Lots, yeah. Lots All right. Shkoyach. Shkoyach. Thank you very much. Right. Very insightful. Okay, guys. I've got my spiritual food for the night. <laughs> All right, yeah, man. All right, go ahead. Good job. Okay, all the best. Okay. Cheers. Okay. Cheers, bye. Bye. bye.